Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, welcome to Hollywood Crime Scene. This is Rachel Fisher. Hi, this is Desi Jadikin. What's up? Melon's already starting shit. Wow. Melon. Someone's needy. So we have a Patreon. I'm like, what's that guy, Porky Pig? We <laughs> like can't, can't get the words out. Um, so welcome to the show. <laughs> we also have a Patreon that we'd like to mention, and we'd like to shout out the people who subscribed this past week. Yeah. They are enjoying our after show, our movie recaps. We've got a lot of additional bonus caps, um, bonus recaps of shows. We should start doing some very special episodes and um, parody porn parodies again. Yeah, we used to do that regularly. We got to get back on go, that because those were fun. Go into our archives and and listen to all of our all the old porn recaps we used to do, especially the Wizard of Oz. The Wizard of Oz is a legendary Patreon episode. What was the one someone just pitched to us? Aladdin? Or did you send that to me? It was like a porn parody of Aladdin. I sent you the Aladdin porn yeah, parody. With Jafar? I need to follow... Or it was like, what was this? Dick Far is probably his name <laughs> it, Yeah, it was like Dick Far. I need to follow that porn actor on Twitter. He's on Twitter. I forget his name, but he that man is a star. Oh, we should have him on. We should totally have him on that the show. That would be really fun. Uh, anyway, let me thank these people who probably have listened to that and laughed their asses off. We don't know. <laughs> um, we have Epps, Denise, Chrissy, Tiffany, Lisa, Stephanie, Lindsay, Laura, Katie, Grace, Jimmy, M, Erica, Kat, Christina, Shireen, Stephen, Michelle, Mallory, Becky, Jennifer, Shelby, and Frankie. Thank you all very much. That's patreon.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. Thanks for that. <laughs> I will put a link in our show notes as well. Okay. So, Desi, yes. it's still awards season. The never-ending awards season. The never-ending awards season. I'm making my way through all the Oscar films. Oh, you are? I am. I might not watch all of them, but um, I'm trying to watch as many as possible this year. I just said, I just watched Chicago. <laughs> Wait. That was once an Oscar film. <laughs> <laughs> that won Best Picture. Oh, yeah, it did win. Yeah. That's right. That's yeah. a good movie. It deserved it. You know who I love? John C. Riley. He's great. He's really good. I, I saw that movie. I was like, I really want my hair to be in that style, mm. like a finger wave. That's it's how such I, a cute hairstyle. That's how I imagine we look at our live shows. <laughs> you have the sleek bob and I have the fin- the Renee Zellweger finger wave. Yeah. I want that finger wave. I think both of us could play Roxy Hart. Oh, yeah. Maybe one day we'll be the ones because you know how they always have like Lisa Renna, Erica Jane. No. <laughs> they always have some like... Uh, that's the great... That's the best part about... That role is that anyone can play. They let anyone do it. It's a stunt cast. It's a total stunt cast. Although and they did have Jinx Monsoon playing Mama, and that's actually she's actually good. Yeah, but that's a good stunt cast, right? So we're talking about award scandals again. 
because I love talking about these, and there's so many of them. This might be the last iteration before I might do a, a... We might do some other stuff. We'll do some other stuff next time. Well, for sure, because I'm doing the episode, right? Well, I mean, when it's my turn. Oh, <laughs> we'll definitely be doing something else next week. I'm not going <laughs> to encroach on the award show scandals. <laughs> so you're, this, might, this will be your last iteration this year. Yeah. Maybe. But there's a ton. There's yeah. a ton of scandals that have happened over It'll the years. It'll be back. And maybe something will happen this year. That will be on the show next year. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Although I have, as I have in the last few episodes about this, stuck with mainly like 20 year and older yes. kind of incidents. They're older. They're yeah. not like re- more recent stuff. So we are kicking off this episode with another Brett Michaels incident. Oh my God. I can't believe that Brett Michaels has made it onto my award scandals list twice. He's just an, a magnet for drama. This is crazy. <laughs> At the 2009 Tony Awards. What? Yeah. This is getting wilder by the minute. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it's crazy. Poison performed their 1988 song, Nothing But A Good Time. Love it. Now, the reason they did that is because this song was featured in the hit musical Rock of Ages. Oh, so that's like a jukebox musical where there's tons of pop hits. Yes. Um, but this Rock of Ages has like a storyline as well, right? I guess. We, we should watch that for a movie recap because I've never seen it and I think it stars Tom Cruise, right? No. <laughs> Wasn't Constantine from American Idol in it? Yes, but the, the Broadway show, there's a film version oh, with Tom was? Cruise as the lead. You're kidding me. So it must be really, it might be funny. Okay, we should totally watch that. So they're performing this song at the 2009 Tony Awards, and the song ends, and Brett Michaels turned around to exit the stage. As he walked back toward the drum set, a descending set piece crashed into him face <gasps> first and oh my God. sent the singer flipping backwards onto the stage. I'm going to play you this video, Desi. Holy shit. Just so you can see how crazy this is. Okay. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Uh, oh, I see. It's, a, it's, oh my God. What's happening? So this thing is descending like a curtain, but it's made of solid material. And he goes, he face plants it and gets knocked back. And Neil Patrick Harris is like, what? Neil Patrick Harris makes a little quip, like a joke. That happens a lot in award shows. Something serious happens and the host doesn't know that it's serious. So they make a little quip. It's actually (laughs) someone got injured. Yeah. So after the performance, host Neil Patrick Harris cracked a joke about the incident, but it was no laughing matter, Desi. Mm. Michaels was really hurt. He suffered a broken nose and a split <gasps> lip, which would require stitches. Damn. I mean, yeah, he got hit right in the fucking face. Yeah. And you could picture the thing coming down. It probably hit his nose. Like right on the bridge. Yeah. The clip of Michael's accident went viral because it's almost slapstick looking. And I would say people think it's funny to laugh at him getting hurt. <laughs> That where they wouldn't find it acceptable if it was Audra McDonald or like um, Angela Lansbury 
Do you know what I'm saying? Right. I think because they saw him as a joke. Right. They, it's like made people share it where it's kind of funny. Yeah. I'm not saying it's acceptable. It's right. not. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. Um, people didn't, I guess when this clip went viral, people did not know the extent of his injuries. It does like on its face, no pun intended. It's like, oh, that looks comical, but it's like, yeah, that's not a foam, a light foam wall descending. That's also like a, if he's falling back like that, he's getting he knocked. got hit. He wasn't like falling to like avoid it, right? Yeah. The following year, Brett Michaels suffered a brain hemorrhage. Oh, I remember this now. It nearly killed him. Following the hemorrhage, Michael suffered a stroke. Oh my god. In 2011, Michaels filed a lawsuit against the Tony Awards, claiming that the falling set piece accident was responsible for these subsequent events. I mean, he has a good case. Yes. Entertainment Weekly reported on this, quoting the lawsuit as saying, Michaels was never told that the scenery piece would be descending or given any warning of the existence of the dangers it presented. Quite the opposite. Michael specifically asked for instructions regarding how to exit after his performance and was just told to walk off the rear of the stage in what was ultimately the danger zone. Yeah. So they they essentially told him, walk here, and he did. Because he's not looking up. No. He's like looking back. And if right. something's coming down, you're not going to see it. The lawsuit went on to say one of the most common causes of this type of hemorrhage is head trauma, exactly like the one that Michael suffered at the hands of the Tony Awards. Well, because not only did he get hit in the head or in the face, he falls back and probably did hit the back of his head Oh, right. on the fall, right? Yeah. Like, so it's a double hit. I mean, it looked really painful. Look, I can see people thinking he wasn't seriously injured. That happens a lot, right? Yeah. And then you find out the extent and you're like, holy shit, like... Right. Brett Michaels' attorney, Alex Weingarten, stated that the Tonys treated the whole incident like a joke when his client suffered serious injuries. Uh, The lawsuit was settled in 2012 for an undisclosed amount. I remember... I remember this now because I do think it comes up on Rock of Love. Really? Yeah. The Tonys? No, 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 no. The, the head injury, like the, the, the suffering that he, yes. he uh, went through. Yeah. And I, I don't think I knew it was, it was a result of a Tony's incident. I think he just maybe had a stroke or something. Like, right. Because it can happen to young people yeah. all the time. Like, yeah. Uh, especially ones who maybe party a lot or like whatever. Yeah. Um, or maybe he, he rides motorcycles. Like it could have been related to that. But I definitely have this memory now of it coming up. And not realizing that's why. Yeah. I like Brett Michaels. I need to watch that show. I never watched Rock of Love. We should recap it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so... That show I binged. Yeah. Because I didn't watch it when it came out. And then I started watching it. And I, I, was, I was like, this is the best dating show I've ever seen in my life. Like, it's good because the girls are trashy. Yeah. And I, and I mean that in a good way. Right. They're like, they're there to fuck. Right. Brett Michaels. They probably and I like that. They probably dreamed about fucking him since they were like young. Oh, and and a lot of them are young, so you're like they started liking Brett Michaels when he was playing at like Mo- Mohegan Sun, like <laughs> casino or some cheap casino or like the state fair. Yeah, like they're crushing. Maybe their mom was crushing on him. Yeah, and then they started liking Poison. I have like real soft spot for metalhead girls. 
Yeah. I love them. Yeah. And I love... I love that there's no pretense on this dating show that they all just want to fuck them like there is on other dating shows. <laughs> like they're not doing it just for love. Yeah, they want to bang him. Yeah. And I respect that. Yeah. Because a lot of other dating shows, they always act like, oh, like, <laughs> are we going to walk down the aisle like, or whatever? <laughs> I don't know. It's fun. Our next award show scandal is from the 80s. Ooh. At the 1985 Emmy Awards, Peter Graves was announcing the winner for Best Supporting Actress in a Drama Series. The winner, he said, was Betty Thomas for her role in Hill Street Blues. The camera cut to Betty getting out of her seat and and started following her as she made her way up to the stage to collect her award. But someone else got to the stage first. The camera cut to a man wearing a tux with a pink bow tie and a matching pink cummerbund standing at the podium holding the Emmy. He said, Betty was not able to be here, but she asked for me to accept this award and thank everybody else. And thank you, and especially Dick Schapp. (laughs) The man then turned to exit the stage as the camera cut to a confused Betty Thomas walking up onto the stage wondering who just took her Emmy Award. By this time, the show's transition music was blaring and the audience can be heard kind of making confused noises. Yeah, murmuring. And chuckling. And then announced it was going to commercial. When the Emmys returned from break, a smirking Betty Thomas stood up at the podium. She let out a big laugh as the audience cheered. Well, she said, it is definitely hard to follow an act like that. So this guy just swiped her Emmy. Do we do we know who he is? Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> Poor oh, yes. Betty Tom. Betty Thomas does not deserve this. She, got, uh, she had a good moment out of it, I guess. She had a pretty cute moment. She took it in stride. It was a very funny moment for her, but it, it was bizarre. <laughs> but it, it probably would have been a nothing moment that no one would remember, and now we will. Oh, yeah. Right? Especially because of who this guy was. Oh. I think that's what makes this story memorable. So who was the guy who crashed the stage and attempted to steal Betty Thomas's Emmy? It was 38-year-old Barry Bremen also known as the Great Imposter. Bremen had a long history of pretending to be people he wasn't. (laughs) To get a ticket to the Emmys, he posed as a member of the press. According to a 1985 article in the Washington Post, he paid $300 for a third-row aisle seat at the ceremony. Bremen told the Washington Post how he took Mission Impossible star Peter Graves announcing the nominees as a sign. Oh. So he decided to do this when Peter Graves, this was like a split second decision. He's like, I'll show you Mission Impossible. That's what he said. (laughs) He said, Mission Impossible is how I always see myself. When I do my impersonations for a television program, we always start with a Mission Impossible concept. It always starts out, good morning, Mr. Bremen. Your mission, should you choose to accept. Okay. Just what a wait. weirdo. Just wait. If you think this guy's a weirdo now, just wait. So he's continued. So it was incredible. Graves is my hero. And they played the music and everything. So when they called her name and I didn't see her get up, I figured it was my time. So he just did this on the spur of the moment. Yeah. Dude, that's so brave. 
so brave. <laughs> like, can you imagine? I don't have the balls. My heart would be pounding out of my chest. I don't even know. I would probably collapse. <laughs> <laughs> he said that he didn't mean to steal Betty Thomas's thunder. He said that because it took her such a long time to get up to the stage that he figured she wasn't even there. And he's like, well, this is a... Oh. I can just pretend to be the guy accepting her award. According to Peter Graves, when Bremen approached him, approached him at the podium, he said, isn't she here? And Bremen replied, no, no, it was a last minute thing. Oh, so he's like on the spot. Yeah. Crazy. Following Bremen's stunt, he was arrested and taken to the Pasadena jail where he remained for several hours before being released on bail. Prior to the Emmy stunt, Barry Bremen had performed his imposter stunts in the sports arena. His first stunt was in 1979 when he posed as a Kansas City King during the NBA All-Star Game. Oh my God. He put on a uniform bearing the name Johnson and started warming up with the team during their halftime warm-up. Is he tall? Yeah, he's pretty (laughs) tall. Okay. Bremen said that his first stunt was done on a bet. His part-time career as an imposter was born out of boredom with his life as a Michigan insurance salesman. I mean, that makes sense. He wanted to spice it up. I I like this kind of stunt because it doesn't really harm anyone. Right. <laughs> and it creates a little fun, you it, know? It creates a lot of fun, as as you'll hear. Bremen said of the warm-up during the All-Star game, I was pretty nervous. At the time, I'd never broken the law before, so my basket didn't even come close. So I told the players, hey, I'm only here on a bet to get a rebound. They loved it. They were great about it. So he was like honest with the players. Yeah. He's like, I'm not I'm not on your team. I'm not Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really Johnson. But the hijinks were far from over. That same year, he crashed the U.S. Open posing as a golfer. Oh. And he's like warming up with professional golf players. Hitting the ball? Hitting that ball. (laughs) To the hole. I think he played like a practice round of 18 holes. Really? Yeah. So they're like, this guy sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Because you can't just pick up golf. No. I wouldn't even know what the fuck to do. I've only played mini golf. (laughs) I... I've ne- I've only played mini golf too, but I always imagine myself playing real golf and doing that thing where you let go of the club and it goes flying. Oh yeah, or I make a big swing and I completely miss. Right. And like <laughs> just like fall or something. <laughs> yeah, I would do something super embarrassing. And then in July, he put on a Yankees uniform and crashed the MLB All-Star game. Oh my god. This is all in 1979. He's like, he's addicted. He's like, he got away with it once and he just keeps going. He's hitting all, like every season throughout the whole, like all the different sports seasons. Now it's tennis. Now it's baseball. (laughs) Now it's golf. He's like, oh, there's a lull. I guess there's a golf game somewhere. Yeah. After warming up with the Yankees, he attempted to pose for the team picture, but he got caught. They're like, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're not a Yankee. (laughs) People were like, who is this guy? Bremen told the Detroit Free Press at the time, I almost pulled it off. 20 seconds more and I would have been out there on the field while the national anthem played. But like, then what would you do? (laughs) I firmly believe that this guy would have attempted to play the game. And I love that. I would 
kill to see something like that. That would be incredible. If just a rando was like playing in left field and no one noticed. <laughs> and then he like caught a ball or something amazing. Yeah. And then we're like, get him off. But he made a great play. <laughs> and then there's a big debate about whether or not like, it counted. It counts. Yeah. If, if it was an out, there'd be the umps conferring. We have to do it over. It's a do over. I don't know. It's like when the fan in the stands like catches the ball, like reaches in. Yeah. Or something. Like that guy who ruined his life. Oh God. That poor guy. Is his name Bart? Steve Bartman. Steve Bartman. Because it's kind of like a superhero name. So to get out onto into the dugout during this MLB All-Star game, Bremen posed as a member of the press before putting on a uniform that he had custom made. <gasps> he like custom made a Yankees uniform so he could look the part. The article in the Detroit Free Press continues. At one point, Bremen was recognized by an official. He bluffed, saying he'd been okayed by Commissioner Bowie Kuhn. All right, he was told, but Reggie needs your uniform. So Bremen stripped off his uniform, handing it to a naked Reggie Jackson. What? So this, this, I read this over so many times. Apparently, Reggie Jackson didn't have his uniform that day, and he sounds like he was standing around the locker room naked. And so what would have happened if this guy wasn't there scamming? <laughs> they wouldn't have had a uniform for him. Well, Reggie Jackson's uniform did arrive late. Oh, okay. Um, to the stadium. Okay. But I do think that's funny that this guy got to see Reggie Jackson naked. Yeah. This this seems like out of a movie. Here you go, guy. Like saving the day. <laughs> Here's my custom uniform. And luckily we're the same size. Right. I guess. <laughs> Soon after, Bremen was arrested and fined $50. Bremen wound up becoming a minor celebrity for all of these stunts that he pulled. Right. He was featured on the Today Show and the Tonight Show. Later that year, he got in bigger trouble when he crashed a Dallas Cowboys game posing as a cheerleader. Oh. He barely made it onto the field before being tackled by security <laughs> guards and taken away. He uh, spent $1,000 of his own money on a custom Dallas Cowboys cheerleader's uniform, including the white boots. Oh. He even shaved his legs for this. Now, this, that, was, that was the hottest you could be during this period, a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. <laughs> totally. That was like it. Right. Yeah. And he wanted... In on that action. Absolutely. He was sued by the organization and they called him a pervert. Oh, this, this is a, they have zero sense of humor. Zero sense yeah. of humor. His wife was quoted in the Fort Worth Star Telegram as saying, I don't know if I'm really proud of him, but he is extremely dedicated about everything. He worked very hard to do this. This is a great wife. She's very supportive. I, I agree. She's embarrassed by him, but... Got to give him credit. <laughs> sure. Would I like a husband who is famous for more, you know, noble things? Sure. But, but this, this is who is he okay. is. <laughs> and Bremen said, I chose the Dallas Cowboys because the organization is so uptight yeah. and, and wanting a conservative image that I thought that they were a good target. He's right. Because remember the cheerleaders had really strict standards and rules that they had to stand by, like kind of like weight and uh, stuff like that, that they had to abide by. Yes. And wasn't there something they all had to have stockings? Is that like, 
I can't remember, but I do remember there was a lot of rules about also their behavior off the field. Right. It was like all this puritanical stuff. Right. Bremen's football career wasn't over. In 1981, he posed as a referee at the Super Bowl. Uh, what? <laughs> Not just a referee at the Super Bowl. <laughs> the most important game of the year. <laughs> and then the following year, he crashed the Super Bowl again, this time dressed up as the San Diego chicken. Oh, that's, that's better because then you can just be in a costume. Right. That's like covered. Yeah. So he wasn't immediately recognizable then. Did he get that custom made? <laughs> He's, who's this person who's custom making him all these things? Because <laughs> they could be like, I know what his next stunt's going to be. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> At some point, they're on to him. They're on to him. The sports shenanigans continued for several years. Following his Emmy stunt, Bremen crashed the MLB All-Star Game in Houston. He put on a Mets uniform and... <gasps> Took to the field for batting practice. Wow. Yeah. You're Mets. What year is this? This was the 86. Oh, dang. So, so this is when there's a lot of Mets on that team, probably. This is your year. Um, this guy, I love, I love this career of his. <laughs> Even I, though he's making zero money. This the, people should be doing this all the time. I love the dedication. I love this kind of stunt. Like you said, it's not harming anybody. It's just silliness. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun. It's very fun. So he crashes this MLB All-Star game. He's wearing a Mets uniform and he starts doing batting practice with the guys. How does he get away with it? I don't know. They're all just kind of like, oh, he must be uh, in the clubhouse, like a bat boy or whatever. Like He had told people, like he would tell some players, be like, yeah, I'm just here on a bet. Yeah, And people, and a lot of the players were just fine with it. And all the Mets were coked up. They didn't give a fuck. No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who wasn't cool with it? Uh-oh. Dodgers manager, Tommy Lasorda. He's, Yeah. Of course not. Look. He takes things very seriously. You don't want to be on his bad side. Absolutely. That is a scary situation. There's certain baseball managers that will really uh, ream you. <laughs> <laughs> like, they'll get at you if you fuck up. And he did. Tommy Lasorda sees Bremen, and he starts going, hey, hey. Mm. And there's this great footage of this incident happening. Ooh. In the clip, Tommy Lasorda runs up to Barry Bremen, and he goes, Let's go. What the fuck are you trying to pull? Get the fuck out of here. Love it. And Bremen, who is, look, if I was him, I would be terrified. Me too. He's sheepishly going, I'm sorry. Oops, I'm sorry. Oh my, There, there's some great rants from 80s baseball managers. They're all red uh, in the face. They're red in the face. They're cursing up a storm and they're fucking angry. Yeah. They're like, like you said, red faced. Steam coming out of the ears. They are Yosemite Sam. Yep. But R-rated. <laughs> Lasorda told the LA Times, I knew something wasn't right when he couldn't get go to his right. He was... Because <laughs> he noticed his batting skills. Right, right. He's like, that guy's not a baseball player. Yeah. He was living his fantasy, and I said it was my fantasy to get his rear off the field. Ooh. Something tells me he did not say rear. Yeah. In 2011, Barry Bremen died of cancer oh. at the age of 64. 
And in 2014, he was the subject of one of ESPN's 30 for 30 short documentary series. Okay. I need to watch that. It was revealed in a 2022 ESPN documentary that Bremen had sired 35 children. What? Because he was a sperm donor in the 70s and 80s. So all these people went on 23andMe and discovered, oh, we're all related to this guy. What didn't this guy do for fun? He did everything. (laughs) He's just like, I'm going to donate my sperm. Bye, honey. I got to go jerk off at the sperm bank. (laughs) Be right back. Oh, Barry. He also, after he was an insurance salesman, he worked for a company that managed Famous Amos. Oh. So he like worked for Famous Amos. The restaurant. The cookies. Oh, the cookies. Yeah. Okay. Because there's a restaurant too. What? Yeah. In Florida when I was growing up. Is it I don't know if I don't know if it's related, but it must be, right? There's there more than one famous Amos. <laughs> You're acting like this is common knowledge. Is that true? Yes. Is it about the cookies? No, it was like Southern food. <laughs> Why did I <laughs> it was like I'm it might have been like a um What's it called? The cafeteria style restaurant? Yeah. Where you go down the line and you're like, give me some fried chicken, mashed potatoes. Right. And you just plop it on your plate. Wow. I mean, I should look this up. No, I used to go there because I remember my mom would eat fried gizzards, which is disgusting yeah. to me. Yeah. But it's like Southern. It's yeah. It's like a Southern food. Um, but yeah, they had like very Southern type dishes. What'd you get? I got custard pie. Mm. That was my favorite. Mm. And I probably got like, the green beans and some kind of potatoes and maybe fried chicken. I don't know. Right. I didn't explore those other types of um, organ meats that are very popular in the South. Fried, uh, yeah, I'm not fried into, livers. I'm not and into whatnot. organ meats. No, so I didn't eat that shit. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure people like them, but oh, not yeah. for me. Oh yeah, not, not for me. Not for me. Anyway, this is a good place to take a break. We'll be right back. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm the queen of starting a free trial offer and forgetting to cancel it, oftentimes being charged for months for something I'm not even using. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. With Rocket Money, I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill, and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. 
Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. It's definitely saved me money and now I can use that money to waste on things I do want. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. That's rocketmoney.com slash Hollywood Crime Scene. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I've had a really stressful year with work and family stuff, and I know I'm not alone when I say I tend to push that stress down in order to get what I need done, done, and that only makes things worse. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. In the past, therapy has helped me navigate many situations from helping me to set boundaries to just becoming the best version of myself. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I love that it's entirely online, so it's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash HCS today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash HCS. A long persisting rumor has been that Marissa Tomei's Best Supporting Actress Oscar for her role in My Cousin Vinny was a mistake. Yes. At the 1993 Academy Awards, Tomei was up against Vanessa Redgrave, Miranda Richardson, Judy Davis, and Joan Plowright for Best Supporting Actress. In 1997, film critic Rex Reed told Geraldo Rivera on his TV show that Marissa Tomei's Oscar win was a mistake and that the presenter of the award, Jack Palance, was drunk and stoned (laughs) and that he said the wrong name by accident. He called the alleged blunder a massive cover-up. This allegation, of course, was completely untrue. Yeah. Her Oscar win was not an accident. It was not a mistake. There's no cover-up. She legitimately won that award for Best Supporting Actress. Well, I remember when this happened and everyone was kind of like, because the other nominees were these four esteemed British actresses, uh, and she was winning for a comedy role, which right. just was not very common. But the truth of the matter is not that those other actresses weren't great, but the performances, like some of them were kind of like, what movie is that? You know what I mean? They weren't like these big splashes. Like her role was a huge splash. Yeah. It made like, uh, it made the movie. It's such an incredible performance. If you've seen My Cousin Vinny, you get why she won the Academy Award. Right, and comedy should be recognized. Yes. I mean, it's insane that it's not more, because it's hard. Yeah, it is very difficult. Bruce Davis, executive director of the Academy, released a statement that said, The legend of Marissa Tomei's mistaken Oscar has appeared in various forms over the last four years, and in that short time has achieved the status of urban myth. There is no more truth to this version than to any of the others we've heard. If such a scenario were to ever occur, the Price Waterhouse people backstage would simply step out on stage and point out the error. They are not shy. Now, Price Waterhouse is the firm that deals with the ballots. And we've seen it happen. It happened with Moonlight. Yeah. Like, it's 
that's, that was for best picture too. Like they didn't, no one stopped and the people went up on stage. Right. Right. Nothing stopped them from announcing the real winner. Now this Rex Reed guy who helped perpetuate the rumor, this unfounded, untrue rumor about Marissa Tomei, he sounds like a real piece of work. He is a piece of work. He's, he's a film critic. He has said, just reading his Wikipedia page, this guy has said some pretty awful things. Oh, he's a total bitch. He's such a bitch. He said that Marley Matlin's 1986 win for Children of a Lesser God was a pity vote. I mean, just utter shit. It doesn't, it's like people who take everything so seriously about the Oscars, it's like, yeah, a lot of times the, who you might think is the best doesn't win. Do you know what I mean? But other people thought they were the best. But other, to say that it's anything but just not your choice is just unfair. A lot of times people win because they've lost eight times before and their people are like, let's give it to them now. And it may be not their best performance ever, but it's like, there's lots of reasons for things. It doesn't really matter. Like, and I'm not saying that it was a pity vote. I'm saying who, who the hell cares? Like, it sounds like this guy's film criticism, his film criticism is just like, mean-spirited for the sake of being mean-spirited like in 2013 he referred to melissa mccarthy as tractor sized humongous obese and called her a hippo he's the type of guy who had that kind of mean i don't want to use the word wit and he never realized that the times changed and people don't like that anymore and it was always maybe too mean but he kind of got away with it i think and he just like Never gave up on that shtick. Kind of like, remember that Blackwell guy who like critiqued people's outfits? There was like some guy that would come out every year critiquing outfits, like before Joan Rivers started Uh doing it. Uh And he was also really mean (laughs) at some point. It was just kind of like, okay, like this is not fun. You had to be funny if you're going to be a little bitchy, right? Like, and not, not too cruel. Like, I mean, that's the reality is just reading, just doing like a cursory read of the various things he said just in the last 10 years. It doesn't even, it's not even clever. It's just straight up mean. And I think the thing is you're a, if you're a film critic, this, none of this has any place in your work. It has Cause it has to nothing do to do with, with the, film. the films. No. Uh, and you can say, I don't like that winner or whatever, or this is person should have won, but that's a straight up lie about Marissa Tomei. And it, it really affected her career. Yes, Two. it did. Yeah. Um, Marissa Tomei was really hurt by these allegations. Because everyone bought it. Right. It's so awful. Also, why you got to throw Jack Palance under the bus and say he was drunk? <laughs> <laughs> like, what did he do? Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know. Rex Rex Reed, wow. No, he's he's awful. He's like a relic. Do he, you know what I mean? I found this at this this interesting... This is from Wikipedia, forgive me. It says, in February 2000, Reed was arrested for shoplifting after leaving a Tower Records in Manhattan with compact discs by Mel Torme, Peggy Lee, Carmen McRae in his jacket pockets. That's how old he is. That he went to He's still Tower? in Peggy Lee rec- oh. Records. <laughs> <laughs> Mel Torme Records. Like, Peggy Lee's cool, at least. Like, uh, yeah. you're, that, that, that's how old he is. You're shoplifting <laughs> CDs by people from like the fifties. But he was already like in his seventies <laughs> yes. when he was doing this. Oh, I, I mean, cause in New York, especially maybe he's bigger in New York. Maybe he writes for the post or something like, yeah. cause there was like this group of people like him 
and like other gossip columnists in New York that were so mean and they really just fell out of favor at some point, but they kept getting published and it's like, no one likes this kind of stuff anymore. And this is like a long time ago. This isn't even like modern type stuff. They've been like too mean for a long time. Like, no, it looks like he's still going. I mean, he, he talked shit about get out. He said it was the top worst, 10 worst films of 2017. It's like you're just trying to be contrarian at that it's contra- point. There's a lot of people, I think, in film criticism who have fallen out of favor and now their whole shtick is contrarianism. 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 <laughs> contrarianism. Thank yeah. you. Uh, and I think I think now it's like we're going to be even meaner or something. I, I don't get their... It's like just retire, please. Yeah. You're embarrassing yourself. It's so embarrassing. Anyway, let's get on to our final scandal. Ooh. It all started in 2001 backstage at the Grammys when Moby told Rolling Stone that he thought Eminem was, quote, very clever, but he's also a misogynist, a homophobe, a racist, and an anti-Semite. This obviously upset Eminem. Oh. So so much so (laughs) that he dissed Moby, among other celebrities, including Chris Kirkpatrick. (laughs) (laughs) In his next single, Without Me. Yeah. He really goes after Moby. Don't people know by 2001? I wouldn't have gone into a beef with Eminem. If you go after Eminem, he's going to rap about it and put you in his video. Nobody listens to techno. (laughs) (laughs) And we're going to get to that. He says of Chris Kirkpatrick, Chris Kirkpatrick, you could get your ass kicked. Not his best rhyme. (laughs) In the video for Without Me, he dresses up as Moby. Yeah. Uh, it's it, a funny video. <laughs> it is a funny video. He's also dressed as Osama bin Laden, dancing in his little cave at I've, some uh, point. I've done this at karaoke, this song. Without Me? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, he does He does get Moby pretty hard. Yeah. He says, and Moby, you can get stomped by Obi, you 36-year-old bald-headed slur. Blow me. <laughs> You don't know me. You're too old. Let go. It's over. Nobody listens to techno. <laughs> You're too old. I just, there's something like, even though I don't think old uh, disses are funny, typically there's something funny about saying it to Moby. <laughs> I don't know why. Because it's like, first of all, he's like 36. He was That's yeah. not old. No. But back then it seemed really old. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, and... Just just the fact that Moby was kind of older than everyone at the MTV. Yes. Like, they were all in their early 20s, so he did seem older. It was just very he funny He was to the me. old one. Yes. And, like... Well, and also Moby, the way he carried himself, seemed more like, you're an old guy. Because he had, like, a tea shop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, he wasn't, like, rock and roll... Yeah. At all. Yeah. And I think he had been around for a really long time before yes. he got successful. Yes. So it made him probably seem older right. in a way. He but had yeah. been around for a while. When asked about the song, Moby reiterated that he thought Eminem was very talented, but still stood by the fact that he thought he was homophobic. Now, we're not going to get into all of this right now, but Eminem was widely and routinely criticized for his homophobic lyrics at this time, since he since his like career blew up, because he right. used slurs in his in his rap music, yeah, 
The other award scandal that I didn't get into, but just a little bit of background is the year prior to all of this, he performed at the Grammys with Elton John. Right, I remember that. This was following sort of uh, when all of these um, criticisms criticisms against him had reached like had reached a fever pitch, and so he teams up with Elton John, an out gay man. So. Moby stood by his sentiments that he's like, yeah, he's talented, but I don't like, I don't like some of the stuff he says. Moby's an ally. He's an ally. Yeah. Moby, Moby, yeah. Except for when he went after Natalie Portman and she didn't want it. (laughs) (laughs) That August at the 2002 VMAs, the feud reached a boiling point. Oh. Christina Aguilera, who also is another star that had feuded with Eminem. Who didn't feud with Eminem? He went after everyone. Somebody tweeted actually like the other day. They were like, Eminem used to just have feuds with like pop stars. He would feud with anyone. Anyone. Then he claimed that they dated or something, right? Or he claimed that him and Mariah Carey dated with Christina. I feel like the Christina thing, from how I remember it, it was more just like slut shamey of like dissing Christina and Britney. Or saying that they wanted to blow them or whatever. And talking about how they fucked Fred Durst. Ugh. Look, this is of a certain this era. This is very, this is very, very 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. It's ridiculous. That, that's the greatest insult you could say about a woman in the early 2000s that it, they fucked Fred Durst. <laughs> No one wanted that news out there. Nobody wanted that. So Christina is presenting this award for best male video. And she opens the envelope and she giggles and is like, huh. And she goes, that's interesting. And she says, Eminem. How dare they put her up for this award knowing that they had a few. They knew. Yeah. Eminem took to the stage and began reading his list of thank yous from a piece of paper. Oh, boy. He said... Yeah, I brought a list. I wasn't finished writing it. That little Moby girl threw me out of my zone for a minute. (laughs) Did he do something at the awards? We'll get into that. And that's when the crowd turned on him. (gasps) Boos could be heard coming from the audience. Eminem stopped to say, keep booing. Yeah, he doesn't care. The boos only grew louder. He continued, keep booing, little girl. I will hit a man with glasses. (laughs) I'm sorry for laughing <laughs> because there was this there was this period where Eminem was like the heel in wrestling. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? Like he he was like this villain. Yes, but it was like the character, and he would do shit like this all the time, and it was like crazy because it was very wrestling to me. He like he opened his speech by saying, "I don't know why y'all keep giving me awards, man." Like he knew yeah. he was gonna say something. Yeah. Um, yeah, you did not want to go near that because he was explosive and he would, he's like the type of person where it's like, you could fight with him, but he would always take it too low Yeah, and you would not be able to recover because you're like, no, 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 we don't go that low. Right. (laughs) So the booze got so loud that it almost drowned out the rest of his speech. Like it wasn't even like, you know, where sometimes you hear a crowd booing. And it's it's spatterings of booze or whatever. You can't tell if it's booze or cheers. This was just all booze by this point. And this is the MTV Music Awards? Yeah, the video music So it's all famous people booing. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And Moby's probably like in the audience like, yeah, get him. Yeah. 
After the show, MTV.com asked fans what they thought of Eminem's behavior at the awards show. Here's some quotes from, from 2002. Ian from San Francisco said, How can someone who talks about being bullied as a kid be such a bully? Eminem has totally lost a fan. Kim from Orlando, Florida said, Eminem's performance was great, and then he had to ruin it by threatening to hit people while accepting an award. He deserved more than the booing he got. So she wants violence (laughs) against him. Moby took to his website to make a statement. (laughs) The truth is that I honestly, in all sincerity, thought that the whole Eminem thing was done in some semblance of humor until Eminem called me a pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Right? He put in parentheses, that was off camera, and threatened to beat me up. I think that Eminem is talented and interesting, but I'm kind of stunned at the anger that he has for me seen as I've never met him up until last night. Now, Eminem has since come to regret this behavior, stating in the 2008 book, The Way I Am, quote, When I was drinking, I could be in a good mood. Then someone would say the wrong shit to me. And before you knew it, there was nothing my bodyguards could do to stop me from reacting and at least punching, spitting, or kicking. It would be the simplest shit that would set me off. All my life, I've been trained to react. My instinct was, if somebody talks about you, you see them, you fight. But Moby, really? I was going to fight Moby? And I was going to fight a puppet? In hindsight, I should have handled it differently. Now, the puppet he's referring to was Triumph, the, <laughs> the insult comic dog. Okay, I remember this. Because this is where I, Eminem would lose me when he had zero sense of humor about things with himself. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. Yeah. Um, Triumph, the insult comic dog, was very popular around this time. He yes. was a character played by Robert Smigel. Yeah, and he would be at these award shows on the red carpet. Yeah. Asking questions. Asking inappropriate questions. So he was... Sniffing butts. <laughs> yeah, he was really into asses. Yeah. He would say, like, cheeky things. It's very funny. And um, so he started asking questions to Eminem during the 2002 VMAs, but mm-hmm. Eminem couldn't... Hang. He was he was already worked up about Moby. <laughs> he was already worked up, so we punched him. <laughs> this was embarrassing for Eminem. I mean, he he says it. He's like, yeah. if I wanted to fight a puppet, it's embarrassing, especially a puppet that's known for this. Like, it's like, who cares? Yeah. Now we're not going to go into Eminem's whole history. He has gotten sober. He's been sober since two thousand eight. He's like a different person. He's a different person now. This is clearly someone who was. Going through troubled, some, troubled, and going. Well, through and some we stuff. all know. I think people who have struggled with various things, including addiction, having that short temper, and like he said, being reactive. Yeah, it's like a hair trigger reaction that they need to get through because that's what they've grown up learning how to deal with situations. Right. Like, uh, so it's it's really uh, hard to get over that. Right. Cause you're kind of, it's ingrained in you and it's really hard to be around someone like that too. Like, absolutely. In a February, 2023 interview. Mm, so recent, th- this was like a week ago, two yeah. weeks ago. NME interviewed Moby. Oh, and Moby talked about this incident. 
Oh. At the 2002 VMAs. He said, the only time we ever ran into each other afterwards was famously documented at the 2002 MTV Music Music Awards when my friend Robert Smigel, who voices Triumph, the insult comic dog, thought it would be funny to speak to Eminem and I together. Eminem spent the evening scowling at me and got so upset that he punched the puppet. (laughs) I... (laughs) I hope if we met up now, he'd laugh because it was, a biz- it was bizarre and strange. Moby then revealed that during the ceremony, Eminem handed him a threatening drawing. Oh. Moby said, I kept the picture. I had it framed. He handed me a drawing of him strangling me, and it was a really great illustration. This is the most Moby I know. thing ever. He's actually quite a talented <laughs> illustrator. <laughs> So above it all. He's just very Moby. He's so Moby. And I'm glad he saved it. I love that he saved it. I love that he had it framed. He continues, what was endearing was that on the backside (laughs) of the paper, he had started drawing it and then decided it wasn't good enough. So he had a first draft on one side and then a fully executed version on the other. I mean, that is... Okay, this is owning Eminem in a way he doesn't know. He doesn't realize it. This is the first time Eminem has been owned by anyone. (laughs) Is Moby revealing that Eminem had drawn it, decided he didn't like it? See, I love to think of this as Moby being passive aggressive (laughs) and not actually finding it endearing, but knowing he's totally owning Eminem (laughs) is very funny. Then he says, for the longest time, no matter where I went, someone would yell out of a car window, nobody listens to techno. (laughs) It's a fun line in that song. It is. Yeah. So I'd like to thank Marshall for, well, this is where he gets bitter. I'd like to thank Marshall for introducing me to his legion of 13-year-old future Trump-supporting fans. None of these people were running out to listen to my music, so it did, in a negative way, introduce me to a lot to a weird demographic of right-wing Americans who otherwise I would probably have had no contact with. I don't know that Eminem's fan base is right-wing. Well, Particularly, like... Yes, the political leanings of those 13-year-old fans who heckled Moby, they're unclear. But Eminem himself is a vocal opponent of Trump and conservative politics in general. Right. I mean, I think his fan is more internet troll types. Right. Like proto-internet Proto, yeah. Like people like him who want to like be little bitches and be angry at Moby or dorks. Angry white kids. Yeah. I mean, I could see that there might be some crossover, but I wouldn't necessarily think, oh, his fan base is all Trump supporters. Like I would Kid Rock, right? Like Or something like that. Yeah. Um, Anyway, I just, I can't believe that Moby recently talked about this. That's crazy because he does try to be above it all, but it's like, well, why are you bringing it up? You're even? still mad. It's tw- it's over 20 years ago. You're still a little mad. Because he got super owned. He did get really owned. And uh, even though Eminem embarrassed himself by trying to punch a, a puppet, that is truly <laughs> embarrassing. And the drawing with the first draft. <laughs> I would, especially like, that seems to me, I, I'm not like obviously a sober person, but that would be like the thing where I would be like, wow, that's one of the things I regret the most. <laughs> I need to make amends. <laughs> like that would be like, like people always like, yeah. And I fucked all these weird guys. Me, like it would be. And I did this thing and I accidentally did a rough draft 
And I gave it to him and now he owned me. And he still has it. And he still has it. Like that's, that's unbearable. That's when I hit bottom. That's when I hit rock bottom. This is not award show related, but it is Elton John and Eminem related. Complex, complex. (laughs) Sounds like a drug. (laughs) I take complex. Complex magazine reported in 2019 that Elton John got a wedding gift from Eminem, and it was a matching pair of cock rings. Now, it wasn't, what? it wasn't for him and Eminem to share. It was for him and his husband. It says, Elton John hasn't put a thoughtful wedding gift he received from Eminem to use just yet. Oh, Eminem gave it to Elton John. Yes. Okay. The singer confirmed in a new interview consisting of questions from fellow artists. Ah, no, Elton John said in response to M's inquiry about the matching cock rings that have been discussed in previous interviews. Eminem bought me and David matching cock rings when we got married. That was his gift. They sit there like the crown jewels in this beautiful box on satin cushions. They're wonderful to look at. Aw. I did love that performance with them. It's really good. Stan? Yeah. I mean, it was a so tough because it was the hug. Someone called it the hug heard around the world. Yeah, beyond whatever symbolism there was. I just liked the Elton John doing the um, hook on that. Like, I, I just, my tea's gone kind of <laughs> wondering why. I don't know. It was fun. It was it was good. Yeah. Dido I was probably it. like, hey, here's my Grammy moment. <laughs> This is my big moment. Um, Anyway, those are our award show scandals part two. That Moby one is so funny to me. There's so much going on there. It's a lot. Also, it's like Moby's like a classic example of someone where you like agree with them. Like his criticisms are valid, but for some reason you still don't like him. (laughs) Because he's kind of just a little bit insufferable, you know? Yeah. I think, Uh, yeah, I think we need to do like like a Patreon episode about everyone Eminem's ever feuded with. Yeah, that would be really fun. Or an Eminem episode would be good too. Yeah, I mean I I'm very interested in his like childhood and his where life. he came from. Right. It's yeah, it, I mean we all saw like 8 Mile, which is sort of hits on semi some of it. semi autobiographical. It's such a good movie. It's such a good movie. Um, anyway, anyway, all right. That was very funny. We're going to do our after show. We will see you all later this week for the mini episode. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.